rulers. I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that may he send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people, and that all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. This is God's word. Remain standing and pray together. Thank you. Bow your heads, please. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to, to learn about you. We... We want to pause and just uh, build a memorial in our hearts of that reality that we get to uh, learn from our creator. Uh, we get to be in a relationship and uh, you've given us your holy word to understand who you are and who we are and who our community is and what the world is and what you want the world to be. Uh, Lord, that we get an opportunity to take all of our cues from you. And we pray, Lord, that you would allow us not to be foolish and to have this huge blessing right before us and yet choose folly. Uh, choose our own path, choose to think we know better than you. But I ask that we would have such passion and excitement uh, to open up your word and to learn and to digest and to worship you because of you changing our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Um, Holy Spirit, would you be gracious to use me right now to teach your, uh, teach the people of God. We pray right now, Lord, that um, if there's something I'm saying or if I'm beginning to operate in the flesh, Lord, you would just be gracious to uh, to guide me back to the power of the Spirit and allow me to speak the oracles of God. And we ask that you would uh, give this whole body wisdom to hear you, uh, to be an encouragement to each other, and that we truly would worship you, Lord. We will respond to you based on who you are and what you've done uh, this day. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Will you be seated, please? Yeah, we are... Um, Operating in uh, the book of Acts right now as a local community. Acts, we're in Acts chapter 3 to be specific. Um, as a local community, we always welcome individuals who have uh, questions as we uh, continue to chop things up in the, in the scriptures. Uh, Leon, Pastor Leon is passing out Bibles if you need those. And also, because it's a day where we have our children, he has a little packet for them as well. So they can be maybe drawing what they're hearing uh, or being in dialogue as well and, and just writing and getting used to listening to uh, God's teaching uh, from up front. So you can grab that and just raise your hand and uh, Ken and Pastor Lee will hook you up. We as a local community, uh, we see it as extremely important to dive in uh, the books of the Bible uh, because uh, left unto ourselves, we, find, we think we would just kind of just want to do what's, what's, 
what's best for us, what's comfortable for us. And so we, we're committed as a local community to go through every book of the Bible and then to re-go through every book of the Bible. Uh, we'll take stints based on, on, um, on, our, on, our, on our, our church calendar. Uh, throughout the year, our liturgical calendar, and we'll celebrate in different aspects. Uh, but for the most part, we really want to be a body that exposes the passages of Scripture and dialogues with one another while we sit at the table and understand what God is saying. Uh, we've, you, so if you have uh, just got here, we want to encourage you to go to um, uh, the website to know uh, what we've said thus far about Acts. And also there's other books in the Bible that you can uh, hopefully glean from as well. So turn to Acts chapter 3, guys. And what I want to do is uh, I want to give, give you a brief snapshot. If you haven't been here, just give you a brief snapshot of what we've been saying thus far. We, we basically have learned uh, that, the, that the book of Acts is one of two books, right? That Luke and, and Acts started as one book encouraging uh, our man Theophilus on his, uh, on, his, on his journey with Jesus and just helping him understand the life and works of Christ, who Christ is, wanting him to hopefully be confirmed in his understanding of who Christ is. Be a Christian and live a life of godliness uh, was the goal of Luke, who is the author. Um, uh, and the life that, that basically Luke uh, is talking about, we see that Jesus actually rises from the dead. Um, we see it in Scripture and reveals himself. And so, he's, so basically he's telling Theophilus this is what happened in history, uh, that this Jesus man is actually validated as God because he actually died, rose from the dead, validated his mission. Uh, he reveals that mission uh, to a bunch of individuals that we begin to see um, in the book of Acts. Uh, and we, we, all, we all know that basically the book of Acts and, and Luke kind of intersects toward the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts uh, with uh, the resurrection and the next steps of Jesus Christ our King. Uh, Jesus begins to encourage these, uh, these new people, this remnant of people of God, uh, on his mission. And then he provides, uh, basically, uh, the power to accomplish the mission. We talked about that uh, by giving them the Holy Spirit, right? They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, then he reminds all these guys uh, that these guys, that what you've seen happen here, that all those who are hearing this, that this is documented in Scripture. This is not something new. He brings up the prophet Joel in chapter 2, saying this was supposed to happen. My spirit is supposed to be poured out on all flesh, uh, so don't be don't don't think this is something new um that in, act, in all actuality, the life of Jesus himself and the fulfillment of, of Christ, all that was basically uh, in the Old Testament, and it validates that actually uh, Yahweh, the God that they serve, had actually uh, exalted Jesus as the Lord on high. So basically, you need to follow Jesus. Uh, the Jews hear this reality that, oh, basically, the guy we killed, Jesus Christ, is actually uh, God and is whom we should be serving, is whom we should be giving our allegiance to. And so uh, when they hear this, because Peter just preached this to them, they say, say, what what should we do? And and Peter just simply says, look, you need to uh, repent and you need to trust uh, Jesus Christ for your salvation. Well, we see in the text that God basically gives grace to these, to many Christians. He gives to thousands of them, and they actually see Jesus as Lord, and they give their life to Christ. They become Christians. And then we, 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 we actually looked a couple weeks ago, and we saw that Christian community begin to form. So we see Christians become, these guys become Christians. They're like, how do we do life now? We see in Acts 2, uh, them basically fleshing that out, and this Christian community is formed. And then uh, last week, um, while the Christian community is kind of doing life, we get kind of like a snapshot in on what Jesus is doing in the lives of individuals through, uh, through his people. And we uh, get to see uh, basically Peter and John uh, be used by Jesus to, to uh, have a guy be healed who was lame. And then God uses that, that healing to actually provide an opportunity uh, to present the gospel. So that's where we are right now. 
So this guy gets healed. Everyone's kind of like, what is going on? Right. And then it says in the scriptures, basically, uh, Peter sees it and he begins to tell the guys. He begins to basically preach the gospel. And now we are here in the text uh, looking, uh, starting in verse 17 of chapter three to see uh, what happens and what is what does Peter say? Okay. And what I want to do, and I, I don't do this normally, but I want to, because this is so abnormal for our, for our, um, our crew, I want, to say, I want you to think about the word blessing. And I want, to, I want to say, do you know that God wants to bless you? Do, you? do you know that, that God really wants to bless you? I was wondering, in our, in our local community, you know, being, uh, having our doctrine be um, reformed, uh, we, we, we can kind of uh, get really, we, we are very serious about our theology, and we can kind of get nervous uh, about talking about the blessings of God, because we can kind of get nervous of being man-centered. And I want to make sure that in our attempt to make sure that we're theologically accurate, we don't actually dispel a very true aspect of theology, and that is God is a God who wants to bless you. And what I want you to notice in this text, notice the posture, notice the framing of Peter. So he's sharing the gospel and notice how he frames it. Notice what he says here. Let's start in verse 17. He says, uh, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, the scriptures say, as did your rulers. Right. Verse 18. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets uh, that his Christ would suffer, he thus Fulfilled, right? He he basically um, does the whole. I mean, when you think of what he's saying there, that man, Christ came to suffer, uh, and he talks about the sense of acting in ignorance. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the Gospels, right? Where Jesus is up on the cross, and what does he say to Yahweh? What does he say? He says, "Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do." Right? And, and I'm sure I'm wondering if some individuals heard that, heard him talking, Peter talking, and thought about that in your ignorance. And what's interesting, that's in Luke 23, if you want to write down that address and be encouraged in the Gospels on your own today. That's in Luke 23, I believe, verses like in the 30s. And one, one thing that's, that's very clear from even this posture that he begins is that he says, you acted in ignorance, but he says in verse 18, what God foretold by the prophets, he thus fulfilled. His point there is that, man, intentionality, ignorance, nothing can thwart God's plan. That it doesn't matter if you meant to do it or you didn't mean to do it. Don't worry about it. God got this. And guess what? God, I don't know what your motives was, but God had a plan. And here's what God was trying to do. So he sets the stage. Like, it's not really about y'all. I love that. He, you know, don't get too thinking that you've done so much. Because God had a plan even in your ignorance. It goes on. Um, in verse 19, as he's already made it clear that God does his thing in spite of us, right? He stars, that's how he stars the framing, right? And he says, now because of that, verse 19 says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, all right? So you did this in ignorance, all right? But I'm trying to be really clear that God had a plan, but now I already told you what you did. So here's what I want you to understand. You need to repent that your sins may be blotted out. And he says very clear that if, if for you and I to basically to avail ourselves, and we've talked about this for many weeks, and I love that we keep talking about it because Peter keeps saying it. Notice he says it again. The way you avail yourself to salvation, 
right? And we, we talked about this clear as day last week, and he says it again here. The way you avail yourself to salvation is that you have to change your attitude about Jesus, right? And your attitude has to be the same attitude that God has about Jesus. That's the way you avail yourself. That's his whole point. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be, th- be blotted out. And when you talk about repentance, the three things you have to do, just to be very clear, when you think about the concept of repentance, first you need to, we need to acknowledge our sin, right? So we need to acknowledge that is that we need to confess. So not only do we acknowledge our sin, but we confess that it's as grievous as, it, as, as God says it is. So we need to agree with God. And then we talked about, remember the biggie? We need to turn toward God. Like, don't just stop doing bad stuff, but now you need to turn toward your Savior. And I love this word here. If you, if you, if you notice it, I love the sense of, 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 of wiped away, right? Blotted out, right? Where have you heard that? Different translations. At the end, blotted out, wiped away, verse 19. In, in, in Revelations 21, right? The same, the same word when he talks about wiping away every tear, right? In Revelations 21, verse 4, he talks about that. That's what God does. That he, he cleanses us. So he's setting the stage here. What you've done in ignorance, God had a plan. You know what you did? Hey, I'm asking by God's grace, would you repent? Here's what it means to repent. And know that what God does, he's going to be faithful. And he's going to wipe away your sin. He's going to cleanse you. Now, why, why does he want us to do this? Repent. What's his reasoning? Why does he do this? Verse 20. You see what he says? You do this, right? Then you be blotted out. That, what? Times of refreshing. You see that? You want to you underline that, circle that. I don't know what your translation says. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you. Jesus, Right? whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring. Let me, let me just help you understand something. He talks about, he keeps talking about these, he talked about prophets in the beginning, the rulers, he said the rulers that foretold. And he talks about what God is trying to do is God wants to bring times of refreshings. And he says, um, he may send Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouths of his holy prophets long ago. There it is again. He talked about prophets in the beginning. He's talking about prophets again, right? What is his point? Is that throughout the whole framing of Scripture, when you think of this, uh, uh, the, the, the timeline of Scripture, is that there's prophet after prophet after prophet talking about this suffering Christ, talking about this Jesus, and the question is why? Let me give you uh, one big pericope, one big passage uh, where you see uh, the discussion of the suffering servant. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 12. Look what the scriptures say. He says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their, hid their faces, he was despised and, and we esteemed him not, the scriptures say. Verse 4 says, surely he, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed, the scriptures say. Verse 6. 
All we are like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own, his, his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. You see that? And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people, what the scriptures say. And there's other verses, guys, and I didn't get done. I mean, I can go all the way to 12. I just stopped. But you can look at Exodus 12 and Micah 5 and Psalm 20 and Psalm 51 and Psalm 50. My point is this. He's going to continue to talk about all the different prophets to these Jewish people. You know why? Because he's starting to talk about this issue of refreshing. He's saying, you give yourself to Jesus, and what he'll do is he'll give you times of refreshing. And you go, really, will he really do that? And you say, hey. Look at all the things that the prophet said. And guess what God did each time? He kept his promise. That's his point. Why he's going to continue to talk and talk and talk about the prophets? Because he wants the Jews and he wants you and I to understand that what God said he was going to do, whenever he said he was going to do, he did it. And what God is saying right now, and he's trying to remind people, is one of the things he said he was going to do is bless us. He wants to bless us. Now, in reform, in reform circles, which I am, I've totally embraced. That's you know, I, I reform is just good biblical theology. I don't even consider. I don't, know, I don't like to say I'm reformed because I just I'll take stuff from whatever seems to be biblical. I think there's some errors in the reform camp where I'm not really down with. And so, but for the most part, I, I say this as a reformer. We have to be very careful because we talk a lot about what we're saved from. And we even talk about what we're saved to. But I don't think we explain when we talk about Jesus just being our treasure. Because when I think of that, I think we leave going, okay, so I'm saved to just this dude? Like, what does that mean? And we don't, we don't really understand what that means. And we kind of look at it like, look, you just be happy you saved. Right. Don't don't get caught up in the things of the world. And you kind of we kind of like put blessings over to the side and we just say, hey, just keep Jesus. And that's all you have. But I want to propose Jesus gives him gives us himself as our treasure. And guess what? Jesus also created everything. Do you hear me? And so, Jesus, I want to propose that what God has given us is himself and everything that he's made. I would propose that's part of what Genesis is about. Am I saying we worship other things? No. What I am saying, I think we really need to recover what it means when we talk about blessing. Is that God is saying, I see everybody looking like, what what are you saying? God is saying that Jesus is our treasure, but guess what? Jesus has created us to enjoy the things of creation. Not to worship things, but that God wants to bless us, and his blessing is holistic. I'll prove it to you as I continue to go on. The scripture says that times of refreshments may come in the presence of the Lord. Let me prove it to you. He gives us three kind of things. He says, first, well, first let me explain what blessing is. To be blessed, all right, the word literally means or is usually translated. You can't say literally means a lot of times uh, when you use your Greek words. Happy. That's what the word means. All right. 
that, that, so I want to say, when you hear bless, that's what the word means. That God wants you and me to be happy. This is so cool. Because I'm watching my body, I'm watching the crew, and we're like, man, so what are you saying? I'm supposed to be happy? Like, we're almost like, we, we're weird or not that we're supposed to be happy. Which means I should be, say, I should be preaching a sermon. So look, so look, look at what he says. He says, so you're, you're to be blessed, which he's going to say down the road. But look, here's what he gives us when he says times of refreshing. First thing he says, um, verse 20, what we get from the Lord is we get times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Okay? So Jesus is our treasure. He is our light. And guess what? The good news is Jesus. And we get Jesus. To affirm that, the other blessing is not we get just from the presence of the Lord. We actually get Jesus face to face. It says that in verse 20. You see that? So it says we'll, we'll, we'll have Christ. We'll finally be able to see him face to face. So we get our Lord. We get all of who Jesus is. We get him. But you can't miss what he says. He says you also get a new world. You see that? That's what he's talking about. Restoring all things. Verse 21. Right? is that we get Jesus, who is a creator. Right? And so guess what? And he talks about this when you read Revelation, when you read your Gospels, when you read the epistles, is that God has created all things for his glory. And so we get to partake in all things because it's from him. Now, we're not talking about how to make them idols and all those kind of things. I'm just saying on the table, can we agree that as my sister prayed earlier, there's no unclean thing because God made it. I say this because um, when I think of walking with the Lord, I think we talk about being saved from, but we, we don't talk about why we were cre- what we were created for. And what I want to propose to you, the reason why this is important, because this actually recovers, this restores why we were created. And that is, right, to be a worshiper of God, to have our focus on Jesus, right? Here he is. He's our Lord. But guess what else was happening before the fall? We were stewards. And we had stuff. And we took care of stuff. And we, and we took care of each other. And we showed people how to do that the way God would do it. And I'm proposing to you, he's recovering that. One is original, right, where he's restoring us to what he originally created us for, and the other is a rescue plan. He's saving us from sin. And I, I, I see this so practical in my own journey uh, with the Lord, with my kids. Uh, like my kids will uh, sometimes will take something from Carter, um, and he'll just be distraught. Like, oh, my goodness, he'll just start screaming, right? Um, and I get it. Because I want to propose when we don't talk holistically of what, of what God is doing, we kind of think like this. We come to Jesus, we get saved in the Lord, and then you have to stop doing everything. See, right? That's how we kind of think, especially if you was as worldly as I was, right? And we think you can't do anything. And then what we don't do is we don't spend time helping people understand, like, as a new created being, your focus is Jesus. And guess what? As he is your focus, now you have access to everything in a godly manner. See, we get very nervous as reformers. We think, oh, my goodness, this is man-centered. No, I want to propose this seems holistically biblical. 
is that God is our king. He's our focus. He's our treasure. But God is also saying while he's all those things, he's given us a life to enjoy. And we don't want to. And so instead of wrestling with that, we kind of try and turn that volume down. And we do it in every discipline. When I was in Africa, you know, they struggle. Uh, individuals struggle with uh, in our community we're in. They just so struggle with drinking. Struggle, struggle, struggle. So guess what they didn't do as Christians? Christians don't drink. You don't drink. So we got there. We're like, why don't you drink? Because it gets so abused. And, and people are, you know, and the husbands aren't taking care of their wives. And, and they had a whole laundry list of really good things, reasons why not to drink. But the question is, it distorts grace. Right? Because the issue is, in the Bible, <laughs> it doesn't say you can't drink. You see? So we say, we just notice this toning down. And I, I want to say, guys, I think we've toned down the reality of God making all things for his glory because we feel like, no, we got, we got to make sure people only see, only, only, only see Christ as if when doing those things in worship, you're not seeing Christ. You see that? Man, this is good. In the sense of watching us, like, man, really? Ask questions. Because I think it's uncomfortable, but I propose it's thoroughly biblical. You and I were created, right, to be blessed holistically. And now we can wrestle with how, but first we've got to come to grips with, like, okay, God wants me to enjoy my life by God's grace. Now we've got to deal with perspective and what that, did, what that means. But the, but the framework, I don't even think we discuss what does it mean to be blessed. Let me, let me continue to go on and hopefully prove this a little more. So I want to say in the scriptures, we see very clearly that the Lord says, we get times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. We get Jesus. We get a new world. Why is he telling us all that? I mean, is that good? Is a new world good? Did he begin new creation now? Did he create all these things before he even done new creation? Look what the scriptures say, guys. Verse 22. He gives us these promises. He says, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And so obviously we see here Jesus is identified as the second Moses. Um, and what he's doing here is he's saying, hey, Jesus is the second Moses. And what he's come to do, he's come to be a prophet revealing the truth of God. And I think this is very important because, again, I, I, I want to say that this is where I think we do better. But even in our church, I think we can struggle with this and in our community is we can have a distorted view of what grace is. Uh, because what I love about a prophet, we can kind of see prophets as truth tellers and we kind of put grace somewhere else. Like we, we don't even think that there's truth in grace. Well, I want to propose to you um, that that telling the truth is a posture of grace. And what I mean by that is that what you're doing when you're telling the truth, uh, pardoning sin, right, gives you an opportunity to show the path of life, which is grace. Okay? That's what, that's what God does all throughout the Bible, right? He, he pardoned, he, he basically, the prophet pardons sin, the, part, part, the prophet tells of sin so that people can actually live right. You understand? Um, and so he's saying, basically, this is our, this is our Jesus. He is uh, the path to life. To prove that, that's his point in verse 23. He says, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. His point there being, 
You see, I'm the path to life. And if you don't understand God's truth, you eventually will be destroyed. And look how he's appealing to the people. Right? He says, you're going to get times of refreshing. Right? God is going to restore you, make you new spiritually. Right? But at the same time, while making you new spiritually, there's going to be a time of blessing where we're going to see in a few verses. And he says again and brings up another prophet in verse 24. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. Right? He says, man, prophet after prophet after prophet talked about these promises. So that you understand God is going to keep his promise of blessing. And look what he says here in verse 25. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Mm. He mentions God's blessing here twice in the scriptures, right? And I want to again, I want to again take something very unpopular, is that it seems that God is saying, one of the main points of, of, of Christianity proper is moving God's people to blessing, right? Again, we all have to say, what do we mean when we say blessing? But the point is to move us toward blessing, right? And look what he does. Look, how, look what he says here. He appeals to blessing there on account of them because he keeps his promise. And finally, in verse 26, he says, God, having raised up his servant, send him to you first, I love this. To bless you, how does it begin the blessing? By turning every one of you from your wickedness. You see that? See, I want to propose the reason, can I just, the reason why it's hard for us to think of of blessing outside of this truncated view of like, it's just Salvation. I want to say it's a salvation and in all that that salvation world puts us in a place of God's blessing. Is because when we look at this, we we can we are still thinking about blessing as and I do a lot. I think of it from a wicked perspective. I think of what I want. I think of self-aggrandizement and I don't think from the perspective of God's glory. But it says here, what God does is Jesus coming, he comes, and what he does um, is he turns each one of us from our wickedness. And so it says three things. What God does, he gives us his presence, right? It says he gives us a new world, and he gives us an opportunity to live holy, to turn us from our wickedness, is what the scriptures say. So when you think of being blessed. We get a new world, we get Jesus, and we get an opportunity um, to be godly, not to be evil people. Christ really came to bless us. Yeah, please. Good question. The question is, when I'm speaking of new world, am I speaking of our spiritual reality or both? Or what am I speaking of? Uh, we talk about this a lot at MacGavin. I want to make sure I don't assume, so I'm glad you said that, is that basically the Bible is saying that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose from the dead, that basically what he's going to do in his second coming, basically sending, placing us uh, in, in heaven and the new earth, and basically when Jesus comes back, he's going to merge heaven 
and earth, and he's going to basically uh, restore earth into its perfected state, the way it was supposed to always be with heaven, right? Uh, until then, what he's done is that he is... He has basically brought in that, that reality of new creation now. He started that timeline actually now instead of when he comes back. And the way he started that timeline is by, by giving us some of the aspects of new creation now, giving us the Holy Spirit, right? allowing us to be his people, allowing us to live in a forgiven, restored state, but yet our body still not being glorified. All right? And so we get to actually participate as new created servants, as new created, um, I would say, citizens, even in a fallen world. And my point in that is that as we are living as newly created citizens in a fallen world, that means we get to live and do the things that we are supposed to do as those newly created citizens, which means I'm proposing with God's perspective, God's feeling, me being yielded to the Holy Spirit, I get to enjoy God's blessings, which is my Lord Jesus, primarily as I just focus and gaze on my king, I can enjoy him. And in enjoying him, I can now enjoy what he's made for us. And I'm just, I just think all of us are like, really? And I want to ask why? Why are we surprised that a good God who already told you in Genesis he created this world for you does not want to now have you be blessed by it. See, now we're thinking, so you're saying I can buy all the cars I want? You're saying I don't have to be on mission? And you're thinking, we're thinking wicked. Right? And you're, and you, and you're debunking my theological framework, not from the scriptures, but because of how wicked we all are. And the first thing you thought about was the abuse. I don't want to start at the abuse. I want to start at the Bible. First, is it biblical? Then we can talk about the abuse. Because you can never, we, we get, we're scared to say, man, God created good things. And I can actually enjoy them. And that, and that, guess what? God can actually be glorified with you being on a boat. That God can be glorified. And I, I think it's really cool that we have to pause and go, Really? And you have to wrestle with materialism and selfishness and backbiting and what you really want to do, knowing you're like, man, well, I, my, I really want Jesus to be about me, but I know that's not a godly thing. And, you, and we're wrestling with all that, and that's healthy. But don't debunk something that's so clear in the creation of the world. Let's wrestle healthily. Let's go, man, I can be blessed. Let me think. Let me just kind of share it another way, guys, real quick, and then get more questions, please. Because it seems like something we need to be really wrestling with. Okay, let me let me give let me, oh, let, me let me give one. Let me just give you an example. Is that the framework of this text I want to propose to you is that Peter is telling these guys, come to Jesus. And I want to propose to you, he's saying in a nutshell, come to Jesus because um, I want to say he's saying, God, I want to say he's saying he's saying it like this: God wants to bless you. And you are destroying yourselves. I think that's, what he, that's basically what he's saying. God wants to bless you, and you're destroying yourselves. That's what we do. When we don't come to Jesus, we're destroying ourselves. And he's like, no, 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 no. God doesn't want you to be destroying yourselves. God wants to bless you. So I'm trying to just help us understand it's not just 
God, what's the, you, you gotta, you're going to go to hell and you need to get saved, which is true. But I want to propose, he said, and the motivation behind that is times of refreshing. That's what he says. He says the motivation for that, for Jesus, is to turn you away from your wickedness. I want to bless you. Well, how do you bless me, Jesus? I want to make you holy. See that? His motivation is for you to be blessed. Let me say it another way. I look at my kids. Um, if a parent wants, okay, we as parents, we want, you're going to be a parent. We want obedience, right, from our kids. We want faithfulness. We want allegiance, right? We want them to do right. We want them to be healthy in the world, right? That's fair. Uh, not just because it's right to obey, right? Not just because it's right to obey, um, and we've, we've had part in creating them, right? That's, uh, but what's our motivation behind it? Because we love them, right? Isn't, even though we, we want them to do right, but it's, our motivation is because of love. And I want my children to be blessed. I want my kids to be happy. Let me prove it. If you, if you don't think that's true, think about it. What if your kid did everything you asked them to do? They were obedient. They followed all your rules, but they totally didn't want to spend time with you. They didn't, they didn't like you. They weren't happy. They, didn't, they just walked around and moped all day, and they just, you can just see the dismal. They're just living life. and just going through the motions, but there was absolutely no happiness and joy. How, but they did everything you asked them to do. How would that make you feel? You'd be, your heart would be broken. Your heart would be crushed. Because I want to propose that obedience, God is saying, cool, but what I want my kids to understand is I want them to enjoy me. I want them to be blessed. I want them to be happy. We don't even like saying that. We're scared to say it. But the scripture says hundreds of times. What's going on there, guys? See, when, and so what happens, so my kids, you know, run down the stairs, boom, 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 right, run down the stairs. And I tell them, don't run down the stairs. They're like, man, you know, and you can see, like, that don't want me to have fun. Like, what's up with that, you know? But guess what? When they fall down the stairs, they realize he was trying to bless me. He wanted me to actually be happy. And so he, he knew that I would fall, and that would be really, really bad. That wouldn't bless me, <laughs> right? And that happens all the time, right? When, you, when we ask our kids to clean their rooms and do their chores, right? Man, you always want me to work. Man, you got me, you know, Dad, you got Friday, Russ, Russ work day. Can we have that in our home, right? Why do you always want me to you know, clean and stuff, right? This is crazy, Guess what? But then when he's 16 and 17, he's 18 and 19, and he's not lazy, and she's not lazy, and they have a work ethic, and they can actually add value to a community, right? And they're, not, and, they're, and they're actually showing themselves that they have dignity because they understand how to work hard, and they're able to get into college and, 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 and actually do well for themselves. They'll realize, Daddy and Mommy were trying to bless me. They wanted blessing, you see that? Or sometimes we go, what is God doing? Why is he doing that? Why is this happening in my life? 
I want to propose. Why don't I, you know, think about it. Why don't I have a date right now? Why am I not married? Why don't I have kids? And we got all the things that we want. And we're not seeing God provide them. And we don't go, I don't know what you're doing, God, but what I do know, you want to bless me. See, we, we think that's man-centered. It is if you're being man-centered. It doesn't have to be man-centered. Although this is super abused, super abused to the point where as I was reading the text, I was wanting to figure out a way around it. I couldn't help but see that Peter's motivation was God's glory revealing itself through the posture of one of the blessed people. And if the way he proved it was to say, this has been talked about in this prophet, and this is, this is going over and over again, here's what God wants to do in our lives. When you think of consequences, you think of telling your kids, don't lie, don't boast, don't, and you're, trying to, you're telling them you know, how to live a life. And you think, man, well, what's going on there? And I tell you, when, when they're 13 and 14 and they can they realize how to navigate relationships and they, and they realize the relationships that should be pouring into them, ones that they should not because they see those people are just like life takers and not life givers. And they understand how to balance the sense of being on mission versus be having friendships. And they, they can understand how to navigate those relationships and not get destroyed and broken because of this world. They'll realize, man, my mommy and daddy were blessing me. I say, we pray, I have a prayer, and then let us close up. I have a prayer in our home that I do, and we talk about it as a family. I always say, um, Lord Jesus, would you allow, I'll go to each one individual, I say, Lord, would you allow Connor to love being a Russ? That he would just love it. He would just go, man, he can go to his friends, they can hang out, he don't have the bowls, he can, they can kick and do all their stuff, but he's go, in his mind, his heart, he just thinks to himself, there's nothing like being a rust, though. We kick it. We have fun. We enjoy each other. We talk about, we confess our sin to each other. We ask for forgiveness. Man, it's real in my house. I love being a rust. We pray that every night. I pray for those guys. Man, I'm convinced all that the Lord is doing by his grace is allowing me to retell his story. Where God wants me to go before the Father and say, man, I just love being a Christian. I love Jesus. I just love being with Abba. I love just being able to have this resource and being able to do this thing for this person and being able to praise God for this opportunity and being able to have these things and being able to go and have fun skiing and doing these things and doing that thing and, and also being able to bless people and serve. And, and you go, you think about it materially, you think about it spiritually, you think about it psychologically, all the things that we, all the gamuts that God gives us to be able to praise his name. I love being able to have all of them at my arsenal and being able to worship God with them all the time. Blessing does not have to be man-centered. It doesn't have to be. It usually is. But family, it doesn't have to be. And I, I, can, I perceive to you that this body, my crew, our crew here, we need a punch in the belly in our understanding of Blessing. God wants to bless us. Christ really came. He really did. Um, and one of his modus operandi was blessing his people. And you guys know it's clear.
We're going to spend time in prayer. Any questions? <laughs> Any questions? I want to, um, I want to give you an application. Um, ask yourself. Um, I was, if I had time right now, I'd put up two mics up, and I just want you to come up and just tell the wonders of God in your life. T- just stand up and testify the last time God blessed you. Where this God did something, you're like, that was just God's grace. That God just saw me as his son and daughter and decided to do this for me. And that, that doesn't mean it's all about me. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, we don't have to go down those roads necessarily. You can't go in scriptures and not just see people brag about God's goodness. And say, no, actually God gave me this stuff. And God did this thing. And it's not always Bible study and spiritual. And we got to come to grips with that. And we got to know we're not being man-centered and fleshly by just remodeling what, the, what people do in the Bible. When people say, God gave me, this, gave me this battle. God gave me this stuff. God gave me this power. God gave me this opportunity to be in Detroit and, and be maybe, you know, uh, in the upper echelon. And God did it. And so I'm going to give it back to the Lord. And I'm going to see it in his blessings. And I'm going to keep pouring it out to other people. There's ways where God can be glorified. So I want you to go in your own time and just think about God and say, man, I just want to be able to say, Lord, look at all the ways you've blessed me. Look at all the ways you've, you've bestowed your grace upon me in this local church. And Lord, I want to trust you to continue to bless me. And then this, as a body, parse out what that means so we don't make it man-centered. Now, we've got to do our homework, okay, because this can get really fleshly real quick. But let's not, let's not throw blessings right in the, the crazy house and throw a straight jacket on them and have them beaten on the walls, you know, like, let me out of here. Let's free them up and let's make sure that we wrap healthy theology around them, right? And let's be a church that can talk theologically responsibly about God's blessing. Okay, let's do a time of a tithe and offering, um, I just want to encourage you guys, uh, if you are new to our church, um, I want to encourage you uh, that you can keep your wallets and your purses to your side. This is us, is worshiping Jesus. Uh, that's what we do, making much of Christ. And um, even as we go, before we go on, I'm going to say one last thing, but I just want you to know, uh, give to the Lord Mac Average. You get this as worship. If you're new, if you want to worship Jesus, please worship God and give. But we do this uh, as, as worship, not as like trying to get money and stuff. Uh, we trust the Lord in that. And then we're going to have tithe and offer. I mean, we're going to have a communion. Uh, Jesus' body broken for us is represented in his bread. Jesus' blood spilled for us is represented in the juice that we drink as a covenant community. I want to ask that you take that when, you, when they come up here. Uh, the elements are very important to us. If you are not a Christian, if you do not believe Jesus is your king, we ask that you remain seated. Uh, this is for the, for the community of faith. When you guys get your elements, uh, sit back down, and then we'll wait for worship team to get theirs, and then we'll partake as a covenant community of, uh, of the elements, proclaiming the Lord's death until uh, he comes. Uh, as we, before we continue, I just want to say one last thing. Um, as we talk about blessings, just think about the story. So, so Peter has this whole frame, and he says, he's basically saying this, what you did to Jesus, I'm going to perceive, a lot of you guys, it was because you're ignorant. And he says, but just know this, God wants to bless you. He's, he's shared that throughout his history. God has sent Jesus uh, to be uh, the rescuer for your souls. 
Repent and come to Jesus, right? Don't jump through hoops. He tells us to repent, give our life to Jesus, ask for forgiveness of sin. And then he says, and then what God does, he's continually going to fulfill that prophecy of blessing you. Right? That's what he says to these people, uh, helping them understand uh, that what you did in ignorance, he's saying, now you don't have an excuse. So I love that. He goes on at the end. And so anyone in this room, too, we don't have an excuse. Uh, the gospel is clear. It's been made clear. Jesus does not want you to destroy your life. He wants to be a blessing. He wants you to be a blessing. Uh, he wants you to learn what that means as you come to him. So I want to ask if you do come to Jesus today, that you allow one of these to be, or both of these to be, one of the first acts of worship uh, for you. Okay, guys? I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to sing out. We're going to uh, continue to take. And then I'm, I'm really hoping that in our mad groups and in your own personal times, you wrestle with the clear reality of God wanting to bless his people and now what it looks like practically. All right? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for uh, your beautiful word and how you um, have come to uh, care for us. And uh, you didn't leave us dismal and dead. You made us alive and then you bestowed your blessings upon us, making us your children and then saying, now go back into the field and play. And I pray you would uh, give us wisdom on how to do that in a way that deeply honors you, that tells the world of your glory, Lord Jesus. And in our body, would you do that? Would you redeem our understanding of, of blessing and understanding of what does it look like to enjoy your stuff and to um, be on mission in this community and to uh, not worship things but to worship you, Lord? We just pray that you would just give us understanding with all the mess of how, what it means to live as a Christian. We love you, Jesus. Uh, Thank you for providing these resources. Would you use them towards your end? And we pray that we can enjoy you um, and experience the evidence of your grace, uh, even through communion. In Christ's name, amen.